everybody. This is pop culture critic John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the podcast where culture is relative. Yes, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tatey, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and the riddles of human nature. On this episode, Mom reviews the ABC game show revival to tell the truth. Let's bring Mom in now. Hi, Mom. Hi, John. Hey, gee, you sound different. Oh, do I? Yes. Well, I, I Are a, you in Chicago? I have a different microphone with me right now, so I may sound a little different than usual. I am in beautiful Williams Bay, Wisconsin, home of a lake. Wow. Is that its claim to fame? Yep. Yep. Pretty impressive, huh? Wow. It is adjacent to uh, Geneva Lake, not to be confused with Lake Geneva, which is the name of either a town or the general area, but the lake is called Geneva Lake. It's a very confusing vacation spot here in Wisconsin, just about two hours from Chicago. We are here to celebrate Eve's second birthday. Eve is two today as we record this. We record this. Wow. And I hear she's napping to get ready for the big gala. Yes, she's going to have a cake tonight. Uh, she's been talking about it for some time, her cake. Every night she's been asking uh, if she can have her cake now. And finally, tonight, the answer will be yes. <laughs> As for me, oh. I did not get to enjoy my kashi this morning. Uh, we got a call Do from... Do you enjoy it any morning? Uh, well, you know, it's fine. Uh, we got a uh, call from Anna's parents while we were driving up saying they were at the grocery store. Can they pick up anything? And I said, yeah, get this kashi, go in the red box. Uh, and... Um, they texted Anna back later and said, oh, we can't find Kashi. Anything else? I said, yeah, Raisin Bran is fine. So I uh, arrive at the house and I uh, see the Raisin Bran box and it's uh, Still Will Brand Raisin Bran. Which I assume is some generic store brand. And I just have been thinking, Mom, I've been wanting to ask you, should I take offense that my in-laws uh, deemed me worthy only of the generic Raisin Bran? Hmm, boy, that is a tough one. Because, I... you know, with I like that Kellogg's because you know that they've just packed as much sugar into those raisins sugar, yeah. as, as modern industry possibly can achieve. I want the best of uh, capital O industrial science applied to my breakfast cereal. And with Kellogg's, I know I can have that. Um, I'm a little offended by the still will generic uh, raisin brand. What do you think? Well, are they regular uh, buyers of uh, generic? I, I generally do not care for generic. I find them skimpy in one direction or another um you know like all all the raisins consist of that little stem <laughs> that you sometimes find on the end of a raisin <laughs> yeah. that qualifies as raisin but not really um so i i uh i do not tend to lean towards uh, generic, but there's people that are very astute shoppers that have the ability to do that. Now, have you tasted these? Yeah, they're fine. It's fine. 
Well, as long as you can take a giant poop, who cares, right? Really, that's what your goal is, right? You know that applies to pretty much any problem you might have in life, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. Well, yeah, okay, let's not go there. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, I'm I am recording this from uh, the bedroom that Anna's parents are staying in because it's the quietest part of our little Airbnb. I'm looking at a bottle of uh, Equate sunscreen, so another generic. Uh, so uh, I guess this is just their habit. So maybe I okay. shouldn't take offense, but I will. I am choosing to take offense. Oh, oh, I would not. Okay. I would not choose. No, yeah. I wouldn't. Because well, I, I will. think if that's their habit. <laughs> I think if you came here and there was yeah. something generic, then you should be offended. You would be sending a message. What's uh, uh, do you so you don't buy generic anything? Like I'll buy the generic drugs always. Well, sometimes you frequently you have no choice. Well, with prescriptions, you know, but I mean, like, if I'm going to get, I'm not going to buy Allegra, I'm going to br- buy the Wall Allegra or whatever they call it, you know? No, I never buy that. No? No, I never do. I never do because I feel like if the food is a little off, then, you know, maybe this is like, well, they just finished making, you know, laxatives on this line, and now we're switching over to... Uh, vitamins, and maybe they don't clean everything as well as they should, and I just want to avoid any uh, problems. Wow, that's quite a fantasy you've dreamed up. Well, I have no faith in pretty much anything these days, so I, you know, you have to make your own rules. You have to make your own rules and live by them, so you might as well be strict. <laughs> You don't agree with that? Um, well, there's a lot to unpack there, um, but I feel like if you're making your own rules, how strict can you really be? Unless you're making your own drugs, you're really at their mercy. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, one of my personal rules is to be deeply offended by generic cereal that was purchased on my behalf. So it's going to be a <laughs> rocky trip the rest of the way. I'm glad yeah. we had this talk. Oh, I can see. Yeah, the tone has been set. Yeah. I'm going to tell them, my mom said... To be offended. No, no, I did not, because I think they're very lovely people, mm-hmm. and um, and I think they're they're just lovely people. Okay, very convincing, Mom. Uh, so, what's going on with you? Uh, well, I wanted to tell you this morning. Now, I don't usually answer the telephone if I don't recognize the number, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes the phone just says. I can't think of what it says, but it just says something called ring a ding. That's what the phone says. <laughs> no, that's what the phone says. Yeah. It doesn't it hasn't said that since nineteen fifty. Oh yeah, I guess now it says Right? Well that is not what my phone says. <laughs> I think that's 1940. Oh, I'm going um, back in time? Is that what you're I saying? I think so. I think you are, yeah. Phones don't say anything, actually. They just make a sound. <laughs> um, but it rang today, and uh-huh. it said something Oh, it rang. Like, okay. Ring-a-ding. <laughs> I can picture it. <laughs> oh. 
and I answered it. I didn't know who it was, but it, but but it said this before, and it was somebody I knew. So I answered it this time. Okay, and I said hello, and the person said, Ring a came ding. on and said, no, he did not. He did not. He said, hi, is the head of the household there? <laughs> wow. Speaking of the 40s. <laughs> and I said, are you shitting me? And I hung up the phone. <laughs> and then I thought, well, you know, I immediately went to, he heard my voice. He wants to speak to the man of the house. Yeah, but yeah. maybe he didn't. Maybe. But his voice was such that immediately I felt like I was eight years old. And what was I doing answering mm. the phone? Well, uh, yes, I can understand it with that question. That question, uh, it's kind of old fashioned, first of all. Yeah. Right. Not kind of. And second of all, yeah, as a kid, I can see how that would bring back a, a very strong memory. Very evocative. I did a little time traveling. Yeah, I get it. Uh, and I thought it was very odd. And since I hung up on him, I don't really know what he was calling about. <laughs> yeah, um, well, that's the risk you take, I I've guess. Been, I've been having a little trouble. There's a man named Colin that has also been calling. And he called the other day and started into his his spiel, but I couldn't tell if he was a computer or a person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I said, are you a real person? And there was a hesitation. Uh -huh. Beep, boop, and click. No, no, just a hesitation. Uh -huh. So I thought, oh, maybe the, I still don't know because it, maybe it just took a breath there because I wasn't listening to it, you know? And I said to him again, are you a real person? And he kind of laughed, and he said, oh, I've never been asked that before. Of course I am. I am from the city of <laughs> Tacoma. And he said, yes, I am a real person. And I said, well, you keep calling me and telling me that I applied for a job. And you're calling mm -hmm. about that. I said, and I'm 67 years old. I have I have not applied for a job. I have absolutely no interest in a job. Mm -hmm. And I really wish you would stop calling me. Mm -hmm. And he said, I get it. And he hung up on me. That's it? That was it. I get it. Like, was it like a mean I get it? or a? No, no, just like I get it. It was like... It was like, could you just take me off this list? This is stupid. Because other times when he called, I picked up the phone and he said, I'm calling about a job. And I said, well, you're full of crap. And I hung up on him. So we've talked about, you know, five or six times. Mm -hmm. Well, he wanted to know what else he's full of. <laughs> well, it isn't Raisin Bran. <laughs> Generic or otherwise. Yeah. Uh, so he has stopped calling. Okay, good. Maybe he's a listener, though. Colin, if you're listening. <laughs> Colin, now that's a good name for a guy who keeps ringing you up on the phone, right? Wow. That's right. He keeps calling me. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny, though. But, you know, we don't really talk to these people anymore because they're not even real people. Well, Usually. Well, Colin claimed to be a real person, though. 
Well, he was a real person. He did turn out to. You know who who I hate is when the the firemen or the police call from Timbuktu. I don't know where they're calling from, but you know it's like, always like, "Hi, Bonnie." It's like, oh my God, this is somebody I went to high school with, and you know, it's just. It's disarming. The fire? What? The, what are you? What are you talking about? What I don't are you know. talking like about? Like the people that conquered fire department will call and ask, and try to ask for a donation, or the police benevolent society, or whatever they are. Hey, you know, if you donate to them and you get a sticker you can put on your car, then when they pull you over, they really won't care at all. It makes no That's difference. Right. That's right. Don't try it. I will not try it because I I just there's too many scams going on out there. Yeah, yeah. Most of all, the police, the whole the police force is just a scam. The well, I wish they were. Well, (laughs) many of them are actually commits coming to light, which is even scarier. Um, But I remember that when when Jenna had to put her poor doggy member bandit. Yes. She had to put him down. She was in Boston, and we were going down. It was New Year's Day, New Year's Day, mm-hmm. the day after New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah, I'm really just saying that for myself, yeah. not anyone else. Uh-huh. And we got about a couple towns away, and the police pulled out. The state police pulled out behind me because we were rushing to get there to be with her mm-hmm. before he died, which was very imminent. Yes. And police pulled us over and said, uh, is there an emergency? And I said, well, well, yes, there is. Well, shall I call an ambulance? And that's how he really talked like that. Well, no. And then I explained to him what happened. And he said, well, that's not an emergency. And he gave me a whopping ticket. Yeah. Well, I mean, so when I, he was right. He was right, but I wasn't going that much too fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the mom you know, standards. Was, you know well, how I like going to going you know, to be with your child while they're putting down their first pet is pretty traumatic. So of course, but I just want, you know, you say you weren't going that fast. There's some people to understand. It's kind of like, you know, the Richter sta- scale in earthquakes when like, you know, 7 to an 8 is actually like 10 times bigger. So you have to adjust like mom's speed scale kind of works the same way. It's logarithmic. So when she says she's not going that much faster, she could have been like approaching light speed and she would still no. view that as just deserving of a of a mere warning. Yeah. No. Yeah. But he could have been a little more heartfelt. So when I paid my ticket, <laughs> I did write a note that said this officer was completely within his rights to give me a ticket, but mm-hmm. I hope he is not representative of the rest of our officers of the state because I found him to be quite heartless and mm. uh, unsympathetic. Uh, well, in 2019, I have to say that is the least moving uh, police brutality story I have heard. Uh, so <laughs> congratulations. I couldn't feel less sorry for you. Well, aren't you feeling cruel <clears throat> today? Uh, we, you had someone you wanted to thank. I delivered I a do. parcel. I got. Uh, I delivered. I gave a talk. Regular listeners know I gave a talk a few weeks ago back in uh, Ann Arbor. 
about Alex Trebek. And at the end of the talk, uh, I spoke with many of the people who came, a delightful crowd, and uh, one of them handed me an envelope that simply said Bonnie, and it was sealed. Uh, and I sent it along without opening it. I'm eager to hear what was in there. Well, I'm not, I already told you what was in there. Yeah, I, I know. I was uh, I was sort of speaking on behalf of the listeners, but now you've torpedoed the whole thing. So just go, just tell, just go through with it. Her name is Annie Stone, mm -hmm. and she gave you a lovely note that said how much she loves Pot Mom, mm -hmm. and that she enjoys listening to it in the car on a road trip and that was very nice and she said that it's nice with so much depressing media that it's nice to have something with humor and funny family drama in it she said we are the bee's knees oh did she really say that i love that yeah she used that phrase wow i love it annie um, i do too Annie S., we think you are the bee's knees, and thank you for that yeah. nice handwritten note, handwritten and hand-delivered, uh, in a way, That's note right. to mom. And I am going to be using it as a bookmark to remind myself of all the lovely listeners that we have. Oh, You'll represent them. That's great. Uh, so we are finishing off our summer game show series uh, this week, Mom. Yes, we are. And I understand maybe you had a game show story before we get into the review. Is I that right? I do have a game show story. Yes, I just I don't remember this very often because I forget about this show. But my uncle was on. What's my line? He was. Which one? He was. Well, I guess it was in the sixties. So okay. he invented a contraption where you could take a big, maybe five gallons of water with you when you went camping, and then it compressed in some fashion, mm -hmm. taking up less space. And it was actually, he actually sold it to Coleman. Wow. The, you know, the camping equipment people. They were watching What's My Line that day, and they were like, oh, we got to get one of those. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how all that went down. I was not privy to that. But um, I know that when they they do the, the pre-stuff and he's supposed to walk out, he didn't. He didn't walk out, and we waited and waited, and I couldn't stop laughing. I was hysterical in the living room. And uh, he finally came out and you know, there's your uncle. It looks weird when you see somebody like it is weird. That yeah, on television, yeah. But he missed his cue. Is that what you're saying? I'm not sure if he missed his cue. Yeah, I mean, yes, that's ultimately the end result. Yeah. Wow, how embarrassing! Did yeah. the Did the panel guess his line? Oh, I don't remember. Compressible water storage thing inventor. That's kind of a tough yeah. one. I'm sure they I'm sure they described it much more eloquently than that. Moving along. Okay. So we're gonna get to our review now. Although I will say I was um I was chatting with uh, Anna's father last night, and he said, oh, boy, I sure love your podcast. Uh, that's great what you do with your mom. And I said, oh, thank you. He said, you know, once you get into the meat of it, you know, they're, they're reviewing the pop culture. I, just, I don't know what's going on. I have no use for that. But I love the catch-up in the front of the show. 
And like, I know that the catch up is a lot of people's favorite part of the show and I'm fine with that. You know, I think it's, I don't care. Um, if you enjoy the show, that's great. I'll, but I think that even if you haven't like, I don't think the review portion is that impenetrable. Like I, we always try to structure it so you can follow the conversation even if you haven't seen the thing, which I, most people haven't. But, uh, yeah, I was really struck by that. It just said to me, like, yeah, I, I got no use for the for the review part, basically. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm glad you enjoyed oh, no, half. I love a review like that. Yeah, <laughs> glad that half of the podcast delights you. So <laughs> I guess some portion of our audience can just turn their, uh, turn their phones off right now because you don't need to listen to this part. No, nevertheless, that's, that's right. we will persist. Yeah. And uh, well, for the two people that do enjoy the review <laughs> part, enjoy the review. Here we go. This week we're talking about to tell the truth. One of the most enduring game show formats in TV history, To Tell the Truth made its debut more than 60 years ago on CBS with host Bud Collier presiding over a 12-season run. Since then, the show has been revived five times, has been hosted by eight different people and currently airs on ABC Primetime with host Anthony Anderson. Through all this, the game has remained the same. Three people appear on stage. Each of them claims to be the same remarkable person, a champion flamenco dancer, say, or a Rubik's Cube record holder. But only one of them is the real deal, sworn to tell the truth as a panel of four celebrities questions the contestants and then makes their guess as to who is the real whoever. Here's a clip. Let's get things moving with our first guest. Please introduce yourselves. I hold the world record for solving the Rubik's Cube with my feet. Oh my gosh. I hold the world record for solving the Rubik's Cube with my feet. I hold the world record for solving the Rubik's Cube with my feet. Here is this person's story in their own words. My fascination with the Rubik's Cube began when I was younger. I begged my mother to get me my own cube, and after a few hours, I mastered it. It wasn't long before I was practicing so much that my hands started to hurt, so I did the only logical thing. I began to use my feet. <laughs> All my practice paid off when I set a world record for fastest Rubik's Cube solved with feet. If you consider that there are over 43 quintillion possible Rubik's Cube combinations, my achievements are no easy <laughs> one of these people has the fastest feet in the West and is the only one who has been sworn to tell the truth. Contestants, please sit down. <laughs> Sherry, since I know how you love feet and you take care of your feet, mm -hmm. you get to go first. Number one, when you're doing the Rubik's Cube, do you put a special toenail polish on? <laughs> No, it's actually better without nail polish. How do you grip the Rubik's Cube? So I usually use my left to hold around the cube, and then my right, I usually use it to move around all the faces. Number two, uh, do you have any special regimen for your feet? Do you sleep and wrap them in gauze? Uh, no, I don't really do anything special. To Tell the Truth airs Sundays at 10 p.m. 9 central on ABC. It is also available to stream on Hulu. Now, will the real Bonnie Tatey please tell me what she thinks of this show? I love this show. <laughs> you do, you? Love it. I love it. I love that it has withstood 
withstood the the mm. sands of time. Yes. And and it still works. Although I'm gonna have to tell you, I have nine people that hosted it. Okay, give them to me. Maybe I counted wrong. Bud Collier, Gary Moore, Joe Garagiola. Yep. Here's one. Robin Ward. Yep. All right. Gordon Elliott. Yep. How about this one? Lynn Swan. Yep. Of course. Alec Trebek. Mm Mm-hmm. John O'Hurley. Yes. Anthony Anderson. Isn't that nice? Oh, see, I said since Bud Collier ate people. Oh, oh, oh. So we had the same number. But I'm glad we went through all the uh, hosts. Yeah, Robin Ward hosted a very short-lived version. Um... 1980 to 81. I don't even know who he is. Some Canadian guy. Um, Gordon Elliott. You shouldn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) We might have somebody in Canada that listens. I'm sure we do have Canadian listeners, but I have nothing against them, but I don't know who who that is. I mean, some Canadian guy you could also say about Alex Trebek, right? So uh, I love Canadians, but Robin Award is just some Canadian guy. Um, well, don't you think it's interesting that it's been hosted by Joe Garagiola and Lynn Swan? I mean, Lynn Swan was just a mistake. <laughs> well, wouldn't his mother be sad to hear you say oh, that? God, that's terrible. But Lynn Swan should not have been hosting until I mean, he was fine, but he just didn't. That wasn't. Um, I don't where understand he what that was all about. Well, it was just, you know, he's good looking and he has that NFL star quality or had that NFL star quality about him. So I guess I get it. But uh, Joe Garagiola well, only really hosted. Wasn't that a disaster enough? Joe Garagiola? I don't I do not care for Joe Garagiola's work uh, as MC. No, he really only hosted it because um, Bill Cullen was the fill-in for Gary Moore and was going to host the show after Gary left for health reasons, but um, they missed him on the panel. They didn't really have somebody Mm. to replace him on the panel, and like he would play off Peggy Cass, another regular panelist, so they got Joe Garagiola to host it instead, even though they knew Bill Cullen was the superior host, as he typically was, uh, but they wanted him on the panel. So that's the story there. None of this has anything to do with what we are reviewing today, which uh, is Anthony Anderson's version. I think Anthony Anderson does um, quite a fine job as host. I agree. I agree. He seems to he he straddles the line between the um, the panel and the yeah. celebrity panel. And he he just does it nicely. He interjects himself at just the right point and knows when to be quiet. I think he's excellent. I really do. I think so, too. He makes it look easy. Yes, and, which is part of the deal. Which is That's the, right. Right, which is, which is the beautiful part of it. But it takes somebody that's not good at it to show you how difficult it is. Are you thinking perhaps of Joel McHale? Who was not good yeah. on Card Sharks, which we reviewed earlier yeah. this summer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, you know, you know, he has the talent to do it, and he just didn't. He just he didn't get it. It wasn't his genre. You know, we already rehashed all that, but it does take somebody like that to show you that it is a skill. It yes. is a talent and a skill, 
and and these people that do it so effortlessly are I, I don't know if they're appreciated enough well but they're not that's the whole again as i said in my alex trebek talk host is one of the most underappreciated jobs in broadcasting and by design like they're not there to be appreciated they're there to make sure you appreciate everybody else which right. he does quite capably really nicely and his mother's on the show and even she's not interjected too much i mean it seems like just right it seems like a very yeah. nice you know that part oh come on aren't you tired of these asshole hosts who have to involve their mom and everything i mean come <laughs> on Ugh, oh, nobody we wants that hanging on to the coattails of our children <laughs> Waiting to be recognized by the world. I think the mom is a nice touch. I, you know, I don't really love this version. Uh, I don't like how the celebrities sort of, they, there's no order to it. They just sort of all pepper the panel with their questions. I like when each person has their turn. Um, yeah. I think the set, I don't like Anthony standing and sometimes coming over to, to lean against one of the chairs. I think the staging yeah. for him is awkward. And the mom with her, like, satellite chair, I don't really feel comfortable on this set. And the, just the camera motion is relentless. Like, we get it. You, you yeah. own a jib. Um, it's great that you got that for this <laughs> set. But settle down. Can we just keep the camera still for a second? Um, but I get what they're going for, even if it's not my favorite iteration of the show. And I just think that easygoing Anthony Anderson, his funny mom, the um, sort of party feel of the celebrity panel, I do think it all works. I think it's coherent, it makes sense, and it's overall a, a well-produced vision of the show, even if it's not what I would have done with it. Well, can I tell you what I don't like about it? Yeah. I don't like the celebrity panel um, trying to make their own insipid jokes when they ask a question. Yeah, the the celebrity panel is not as intent on getting to the bottom of the mystery. I mean, Peggy Cass on the on the old ones, she was. I mean, she was very funny and charming and quite a character. But she was like a bulldog trying to figure out who was the right. real person on the panel. And I, to right. me, that's what you want. You want them to be funny and charming, but playing the game. I want them to stand in for me and ask the questions that I'm thinking uh, well to put. solve the puzzle. Yes. Um, and, and many of these, and I will say also that many of the celebrity panel, I have no idea who they are. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Uh, sad, but true. So I watched, I do not watch this regularly, um, for the aforementioned reasons. It's not my, you know, it's just not at the top of my list, but I watched, um, to refresh my recollection for this, um, uh, review, I watched an episode that featured Norman Lear, Bob Saget, Joel McHale, yeah. and Rita Moreno. Did you, have yeah. you seen this one? Yes, I have. Again, you know what? I really like Joel McHale, so I feel bad that he's uh, coming in for stick in our game show series this summer. But um, he was doing what you were just complaining about. Yeah. He was just sort of shitting around <laughs> and not really yeah. playing the game. 
which I kind of is, is, I mean, that's what you kind of expect from Joel McHale, right? I, I don't, ex- I don't expect that because I feel like it makes him very one dimensional yeah. to me. When he starts up, I think there's the kid in social studies class that was always, <laughs> always had something funny to say, but you'd never dating because he was such a dweeb, you know? Mm. Wow. So take that, Joel. My mom will not be dating you. Stop asking. <laughs> no. That's right. We're not having it. No, you know what I mean? He's just, it's just like, oh, yeah, there's Joel. Yeah. That's who he is. He's, he's, he, he hasn't, he doesn't go beyond that because, you know, some, some people say you're, you know, you're comfortable at the level um, where you reached your pinnacle in high school. You know, that yes, once I've you reach that, that yeah. have you heard that? And I feel like, you know, he was he was pretty hot shit in the 10th grade and that, that he stopped growing then. <laughs> he, he is a very talented comedian and uh, he's done a lot of funny stuff. So I just let's let's say something nice about Joel McHale. I liked him when he did the soup. OK, well, that's semi nice, but I'll take it. I thought that was very nice. Well, it's it's very well, past timely, but it was nice. Yeah, it's very past tense niceness. Well, you said you said nice. You didn't say it had to be timely. Okay, well, you got me there. Now, I also feel. Let me do a little preamble to this question to you. To tell the truth is like the game show aficionados game show. This is the format that is considered the gold standard among game show connoisseurs. Mark Goodson, the most prolific game show producer of the 20th century, considered to tell the truth his best uh, show because it's just such a beautiful format. Again, you have the because it's the it's basically the production pitting itself against this celebrity panel like these imposters are coached up and carefully chosen carefully cast their story crafted um <clears throat> to fool the panel and there was a real art to it in the past um not in this one <clears throat> yeah that's kind of what i'm getting at so it has it's this beautiful you know, celebrities versus production dynamic to it. And it has this just irresistible play along quality. You cannot watch the show without once the questioning is up, turning to your buddies who are sitting with you or your family right. and saying, okay, who do you think it is? Is it number one? Is it number three? I feel that the art of coaching the imposters has been lost a little bit. And it sounds like from your earlier interjection that you agree. Yes, Definitely. Definitely, because I've seen um, one or two contestants who just fold. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, and again, these are these are not the the cast, uh, celebrity cast of old. These people are are not. Ugh, I don't know how to say that. Uh, not famous. They're not the great minds of the. Oh, I see. See, I thought you were going to say they're not like A-listers, but um, oh, that that could be true. Well, that could that well, could they're be true. Definitely not A-listers. Well, I just um, 
you know, we're t- we mentioned Peggy Cass, Kitty Carlisle, a long time to tell mm. the truth regular. These are yeah. people who, you know, maybe they were appearing on Broadway or at New York socialite cocktail parties in the pages of the New York papers, but they were not people with really a national profile aside from these shows. They were there because they were great at doing this, at being on this panel right. and asking questions and being lively and insightful. That's right. And yeah, the, it seems like the celebrities they're getting for um, To Tell the Truth Now are just funny and, oh, you know them from this. And uh, yeah. that's all it is. It's a little too much fluff. Yeah, it is a lot of fluff. And that's why I say it's not my... It's not my favorite, but I think the vision is coherent. Like, it's a fluffy rendition of this format, um, yeah. and it it's, it's makes sense to its own internal logic, I think. It's not, I guess what I'm saying is, it's not trying to be this sort of formal Bud Collier uh, version of the show with these wacky people. It's all, you know, much looser and more more spectacular, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll go with looser, spectacular. I'm not sure I'm there. Well, when I say spectacular, I mean loud, and the camera's constantly moving, and the set is really bright, uh, yeah. and the crowd is hot, and I mean the crowd cheers for like the the scrim going up to reveal the people behind <laughs> it. It's like settle yeah. settle down. Well, we haven't even done true. anything yet. True. And, you know, I think of the you think of the set of old, which was nothing. It could have been in your garage for, you know, for all you knew. But there was more meat. There was there was meat. There was substance. There was that. And now we have, you know, lights, camera, action. That's what we have now. Yeah. A lot of action. Action is the better word than spectacular than spectacle. It's really more about the action than the spectacle. Yeah. It's it's enjoyable, um, but I, at least I used to feel like I learned something. Um, you know, yeah. I can remember, I can remember Peggy Cass uh, biting into a berry and then taking a bite of a lemon on on, on the original mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. And you know what she bit into a stevia berry. Yeah, and I can remember that from all that. All those years ago. Yeah, that's Like a hundred years ago. Boy, we've talked a lot about Peggy Cass in this segment. I'm starting to understand why some people just don't care for the review portion. Because <laughs> the slice of our audience who even knows who Peggy Cass is, is infinitesimally small. There was a champion burlesque dancer. That's funny. I said champion flamenco dancer in the intro earlier. I don't know where I got that from. But uh, my episode had a champion burlesque dancer. Yeah, I couldn't have learned less about the art of burlesque than I did. Well, I know, but she did get up and give you a little fan dance. She did. She, you know, she did a little of it at the end, but it was surprisingly unilluminating. So I guess I get what you're talking about. Yeah, it's all forgettable. I'm also not a huge fan of the "Before You Go" um, segment in which. We find out, you know, which one of the three people is real and they leave. And then there's another like, okay, now one of these two people is. uh, And then we have to question these same people all over again. 
the show just ground to a halt then, I felt like, because I'm just tired of looking at these people. <laughs> yeah, and they weren't who they pretended to be in the first place. Uh, yeah. I know that uh, didn't make sense, but no, it did. No, it didn't make any sense. Um, and I, no, that makes no sense at all. But uh, in any case, right. yeah, there was a segment where... There were three people, each of them claiming to be um, someone who rescued a family from a burning car. Even oh, that, my God, yeah. Even that story kind of fell apart in the questioning. It was like, basically, they opened the door so that a guy could spill out of the car after the rest of his family had gotten around. In any case, we identify that guy. Great, hooray, you're a hero. He leaves. And now we got to figure out which of the remaining two is an Uber driver who helped deliver a baby. Again, this story fell apart. They didn't do a damn thing. Um, I know. know. And it's just these two total zeros left on the stage who we... We spent like 20 minutes of the show looking at these heavy-lidded morons. Yeah. It was not the best. You know, and I do think that that was probably one of the best. Oh, really? I do. I, I, I just think they're very, um, I think it really lacks a solid base. That's what I feel like. Mm, yeah. So you really don't see it as coherent a production as I do. I guess I don't. Yeah. Now well, that you've, we've you've convinced it me apart. to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. What right. is your grade for To Tell the Truth? On just this to tell the truth? Yeah, yeah. C. C. Now, that's the same grade you gave to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I want to remind you. Well, C just means meh to me. (laughs) Okay. But you're a regular viewer of this show, right? Well, I am just because I, you know, uh, uh, I have hope every week that it's going to be what I want it to be. And it keeps not being what I want it to be. I saw Rob Riggle was on recently. I skipped that one. I did not want to see that one. Who's that? He, um, I don't really know how to describe him. He's just a big, uh, kind of meat-headed, uh, former Marine guy, comedian. I just don't. ABC loves him. He showed up on Match Game. He he's a co-host of this terrible miniature golf show called Holy Moly, um, and he's just been a comic actor for some time. He was he came to the Daily Show while I was working there, and everybody in the office just loved Rob Riggle, and I just never I never got it. I never got what was so funny about the guy. I don't think he's that funny. I think his shtick is mainly to piggyback on other people's jokes with a louder voice. Um, So I just wanted to take this moment to pointlessly shit on Rob Riggle. (laughs) (laughs) Who's never done me any wrong in my life. Sorry, Rob. Wow. Wait, if I knew we were going to do this, I could have had a whole list. Yeah, sorry. Okay, so that's a C for To Tell the Truth. Do you have a recommendation this week, Mom? I do. I do have two, um, in your estimation, very bad Well, the first one's fine. Okay. Well, it's old, though, so maybe everybody in the world has already seen it. I don't think so. I don't think so. Merrick just pointed this one out to me. It's called Samsara. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and it's on uh, Amazon Prime, and it is the most gorgeous photography. It says it's shot on 70 millimeter. I don't know what that means. It's just but, a, yeah, it's just, it's a very high-end film stock for, oh, okay. for sort of sweeping. Says, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's just for like big sweeping visuals is what you think of when you think of 70 millimeter. Well, that's what this is. This is five years, 25 countries, all kinds of things, natural wonders and um, native to different countries, dancing and sacred areas. And it's just it's just gorgeous. It's just a, a real feast for the eyes. It's it's gorgeous. What is it though? What are we what are we seeing on the screen? It's just it's just things, stuff, scenes. Okay. It's yeah. It's like going over to somebody's house and watching their slides. Oh wow, it but sounds be- great. <laughs> but in a good way. But in a good way. Okay. Samsara, okay. it's called S A M S A R A. It is available to purchase uh, or rent, maybe uh, on Amazon Prime and iTunes. Apparently, you can stream it free on Tubi, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> I don't Tubi. know what that is. We got to review something that's on Tubi just so I can say that in the. Uh, <laughs> info. It's probably some station run by guinea pigs. Tubi. If we have any Tubi subscribers among the listener base, tell us what what the hell Tubi is and why you subscribe to it. Tubi. Well, okay. I think you just sort of insulted them at the same time as asking them for a favor. Well, I did. And what is your second recommendation? My second recommendation, also scorned by you, because everybody's already seen this, except me, apparently, was bad lip reading of the MLB mm-hmm. of MLB, which I thought was very funny and it made me laugh so, and cough. What do you so. just look this up on YouTube? Is that yeah, YouTube? Bad lip reading. You've probably already yeah. heard of it. It's really not very good, but mom likes it. So I thought it was funny. <laughs> There's also bad lip reading of the NFL, and Tom Brady is in yeah, there. I know, I know. This, yes. When I was doing the block and tackle column, every week someone would send me one of these. And I'd just be like, enough, I've seen it. I don't really think it's that funny. All right, fine. Well, how embarrassing for me. Well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's so, uh, anyway. Everybody loves it, so I'm not going to, yes, it's silly, it's hilarious. It's a laugh riot. Four stars, Entertainment Weekly. Great. Really? It's not that good. Two thumbs up. A must-see, Peter Travers. <laughs> oh, I guess two thumbs up is the highest. Two thumbs, that's as many thumbs as you can put up. Yeah. Yeah, right. Because each of them was only willing to contribute one thumb to that system. <laughs> well, we only have two thumbs. Well, yeah, but two thumbs up was when both Siskel and Ebert said it was good. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Yes, of course. And if a movie was really good, then you'd see in the commercial for it, 
Siskel and Ebert give it two thumbs up. Way up. Sometimes they would say, yeah, sometimes they would say way up and that would, oh, they couldn't wait to get that blurb in the, in the trailer. Yeah. Wow. Wow. May they rest in peace, Siskel Siskel and Ebert. Yes. May they. All right. So those are mom's two recommendations. Samsara, a movie about things uh, in different countries Uh, in 70 millimeter, though. So, you know, it's going to be that great wide aspect ratio while you're looking at these things. That's right. And And this is why I have a show where I. Yeah. (laughs) Because I can express everything so well. (laughs) And MLB Bad Lip Reading. Look for it on YouTube if you haven't already seen it, which, of course, you have. Uh, That's all for this week's edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back next week to talk about more pop culture. What should we talk about, Mom? Any ideas? Yeah. Something interesting. Okay. We'll do our level best. We try. Thank you for listening. (laughs) If you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Tell them all. Tell your enemies, too. We love you. Mom and I will talk to you again next week. (laughs) Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. I love you. Love you, too.